Welcome to the show, people. We're back. We're so back. We are so back. As the kids are saying, we are so back. We're so back. We're wounded. We're wounded. We're hurt. <laughs> we're bleeding. But we're here. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, just emotionally um, and also economically. Um, yeah. We basically, okay. We've taken a big hiatus. We've taken yeah. a hiatus, but not because... We are like n- done with feminism or anything like that. Not that anyone thought that, but like mostly because we've all been struggling to survive, <laughs> which is exactly when you need feminism the most. But that's the whole conundrum of it is because you have to survive and work constantly. You can't like think politically because you barely have any energy to even get out of bed in the morning. So, yeah, I mean, it should go. Without saying, but it is worth saying that we all have jobs. I mean, this is not a, a form of income for no, for no. any of us. Um, and, and not that we came into it to make money. We didn't. But everything requires time and labor. And it's been hard to it's been hard to do all of the things at once. Um, and I have found this a lot. Like I I feel like. Early on in like when we were making this podcast, I started a, a new job and I feel like it was our second or third podcast. I was like, this is so much harder right now because I'm really overtired. I mean, it's it feels obvious, but that's why so many revolutionary movements fade or don't are, are not like sustainable in the long run because it's the working class who mm. are in them and we don't literally don't have the time or energy yeah and it's by design it's like you know obviously you know by design to make you exhausted because what can what else can you do if you're exhausted but like take care of yourself as a as a basic human being you know and then even that impulse is now being marketed to us with the rise of of self-care rhetoric which is like i'm not anti-bubble bath but (laughs) it's not just i am I do think bath, baths. I think bath, I think bath bombs are kind of gross. Not gonna yeah. lie. I'm just like all this fucking glittery fluid is just like sitting going up me. It cannot be good titties. for my vagina. I'll tell you this, okay? My vagina, I'm worried. I'm worried about my vagina. But this ge- our, ge- our general <laughs> moving on. Just generally we decided to talk about work broadly today in this episode because of our absence from from the pod um it felt right. like the the correct sort of topic to dive into for this totally. one um because also we all feel really beaten down right and okay we i'm not going to speak for everybody i certainly feel beaten down i definitely right now by i'm beaten economics the econ- the economics of the situation uh is that i'm exhausted and no, totally um we've haven't recorded for i don't know a few months right yeah and like this is something that we are gonna talk about a lot but it's like also to women and feminized people generally like not only are we working jobs as wage laborers, but we're also doing all of this like reproductive care work in the home. And like even our jobs themselves usually extend way past just like the waged sector. And we're expected to take homework with us. I know you experience this a lot, Kit and Aurora, you do. It's like it never ends. And there is like a particular feminized quality to that. So it's like, there's all of that going on. 
and you're having to work for your wage. And then also, too, they're, like, banning abortion. (laughs) And you're just like, what the fuck? And it's like, how do you sustain a a revolutionary movement, which is what we need right now, um, when we're, like, hyper-exploited, really, to this degree? And it's like, and also, too tie it into like what i've been fucking going through with like trying to make work and heather understands this as well like from a purely like the the how expensive it is to make music and to make like performance work and try to collaborate with people which is something that's so important especially as a feminist too all of the resources that that takes and then you're kind of forced into like these reactionary modes of making things because and that's why there aren't a lot of successful working class artists. There, exactly. there obviously yeah. are, but that's the reason why it's harder for working class artists to get a foothold in the art world because they're they're like at the coffee shop. They're they're in the assembly line. Mm-hmm. They're gr- at ground zero. But those are also the voices that we need to make art. Is from a is from a, a place of class consciousness, which exactly. is what you get if you are in the fold. Um, Exactly. And if you're a fucking woman or a queer person, on top of also being somebody who has to work, it's just like this endless pylon of shit. And then if you don't like accommodate like anti-feminism, especially too, then you're doubly going to be like silence. It's going to be like even more difficult. Yeah. Then you're punished. Exactly. So it's just like, holy shit. Like, I'm a pretty strong person generally, but like this year it's been like a strange dichotomy of like the most confident I've felt in my work, but also like the most beaten down and realizing like how many things are against me and not even in like a by beaten down. You mean litter. I'm not trying to, I I feel similarly like broke, Yeah, you know, because not having a lot of money feels, makes you feel beaten down. It really makes you feel insecure, um, scared, yeah. Right. I mean, in the most material sense, it makes you feel like it's you against the world, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's like, how do you think? Like, how do you think <clears throat> freely? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Under those conditions. Exactly. And it's it's like incredibly frustrating. And and I'm I'm sure so many people are going to resonate with this. Right. And also the idea of work is intrinsic to feminism in in regards to unpaid the unpaid labor of the home, which is the woman's mantle on top of the liberation, quote unquote, air quotes, the liberation of being able to try to like earn a living wage. Yeah, you know? totally. Basically not being able to enter the workforce is not liberation. Actually, it's not particularly freeing because you're still fighting for the wage. So that in itself, basically the work is inescapable is what I'm trying to say, and I'm gesturing wildly with my hands. Right. Yeah. The work is inescapable, and it does not... It conditions you to to just take it and, and um, be quiet and not engage in revolutionary politics. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the way the liberation of the worker and feminism are intrinsically linked, and, you know, they're not opposed to each other as, you know, sometimes it can be thought as they're intrinsically opposed, but they're intrinsically linked because, you know... In order for the worker to be maintained, the traditionally male worker, you know, it relies entirely on the feminized labor in the home. And that feminized labor of the home is like doubled down on by, you know, 
it includes abuse. It it it, mm-hmm. it immediately includes abuse in that it's like the feminized labor is also included in that is like psychological abuse, economic abuse, sexual and like in you know, sexual abuse mm-hmm. largely, and that is also viewed as being the woman's domain. And I mean, like you know, rape was legal completely. Marital rape was legal until like what 1975, yeah. you know, because it was considered just like a woman, a part of the woman's job at the home to get raped, right? You know. Right. And it even and it still defines women to this day, even though the typical quote unquote housewife doesn't exist in the way it does in the 1950s. The the archetype still exists. And I mean, I know I have a lot of self guilt over my aversion to like cooking, for example. We were talking about this. Like I have always felt an aversion to cooking. My mother's an amazing cook. Um, and it was in my house. It was it was her job. Um, and I don't know. I just have always felt like something about it. I'm like, it's just not me. It's just not me. Right. And then I, upon, you know, just doing some of this reading, I was like, maybe it's that I don't want to be associated with this idea of like the shackles of, of women basically in the home. Right. And I also have an aversion to cleaning and it's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) One time I was, um, I, I was in this relationship. I thought I was going to marry this dude. I the, My early 20s were marked by like me being like, I'm going to do heterosexual marriage, which is like so insane now looking at it. Your rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> but like, okay, so like I got into a big fight with him one time over like cooking and cleaning. And I didn't have the, the feminist like consciousness to understand why I was so upset by it. But like, it basically was the beginning of the end. That fight was like the beginning of the end for our relationship because I was like, there was something compulsory about it. It was like expected of me. And and just my temperament, I was like, uh, fuck you. I don't like being told what to do by anyone. But it, now I'm realizing, oh, that was like a deeply patriarchal well, it's, expectation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's still expected of women, even though we are quote unquote liberated. Right. And we're also working these insane hours. Like I was working, I was doing like eight shows a week on Broadway at that time. Mm-hmm. That's fucking hard to do. And then I was expected to also cook and clean. And it's like, um, what? I, I also got into several fights with my ex-partner about this. Um, and it would be, I, I remember it would be like on my days off, we would get into a fight about the apartment being a mess um, and it didn't really matter if he was like home more than I was. He was he claimed that it was not we weren't doing equal work. <laughs> but at the same time, our our instances are like realities were not quite equal because he had more economic freedom. Right. And wasn't working the same hours I was. It's that, it's that idea of like, equality versus equity. It's it's wild too because it's this. There's this whole narrative, like the girl boss narrative. Maura Dunnigan also had this amazing piece that came out that was about like basically the feminism that we grew up with. That was like you can do anything, like Mia Hamm, and like we're in the age of the liberated woman and all of this shit, right? But then like, and and I don't think that that was all bad or wrong. Obviously, there's parts of that that are inspiring and true and good. But like, then you get into your real life in your 20s or whatever it may be and you're like oh what i'm all of this shit is still expected of me it wears like a different cloak now right or if you're a woman in a workplace they're you know expecting you to like clean up 
the catering function or it's still right. it's still it's or still the feminized. emotional labor you know they save the emotional labor for the women or the feminized people traditionally you exactly. know while the important people do more analytical work you know exactly it's, it's very insidious or the in public facing like yeah spokespeople are, are men usually and like even even in artistic scenes Something that I've been coming up, up against in New York constantly over and over and over again is like these charismatic men who get to get take all the credit for all this shit. And you look at who's doing the actual fucking work. A fleet of unpaid young women. <laughs> and it's, it's that are every often time getting like abused. Exactly. Exactly. And it's every right. time. And it's, it's not an, sometimes. And there's an unfair power um, dynamic at play in there anyway because someone, you know, that maybe they're sleeping with this guy. Exactly. Or, you know, which is not to say, you know, you can't have sex with like your artistic. Um, right. Peers, I, in fact, you should. It's probably right. good sex. It's probably fucking interesting. Is, fucking is fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, but when you're also working together and also doing unpaid labor for them, that's when it all starts to bleed together. And you're um, the housewife of the art. You're the housewife scene. of the art of of a bohemian art scene. And it's like, oh, this is. It's literally. There's nothing really fundamentally being questioned here because the sexual dynamics and that hierarchy and that dominance is is the same and it's like and it's ingrained so for most people it feels kind of normal you know it's not something people you know you can find yourself in that situation but not fully question it because it's 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 what's expected of you right right so it's just like very hard once you're in it and you're like how did i get here like you know exactly yeah actually this is a great um this is a great quote from something that we read um for this episode mm-hmm. and for our reading group that's meeting this week um, it's called The Power of Women and the Subversion of the Community, um, famous text by uh, Maria Rosa de Costa and Selma James, Women and the Subversion of the Community. Um, so this is on the, the first page. Um, we place foremost in these pages the housewife as the central figure in this female role. We assume that all women are housewives, and even those who work outside the home continue to be housewives. That is, on a world level, it is precisely what is particular to domestic work, not only measured as number of hours and nature of work, but as quality of life and quality of relationships which it generates, thus determines a woman's place wherever she is and to whichever mm-hmm. class she belongs. And then it says... For more, you know, furthermore, we concentrate here on the position of the working class woman, but this is not to imply that only working class <laughs> women are exploited. Yes. Rather, it is to confirm that the role of the working class housewife, which we believe has been indispensable to capitalist production, is the determinant for the position of all other women. Mm-hmm. Every analysis of women as a caste, then, must proceed from the analysis of of the position of working class housewives. I I feel this day to day. I mean, in every Mm -hmm. relationship I've been in, I've wondered if I'm a good enough partner because I don't cook. Right. I I, I literally, and I live in fucking Bushwick. Right. And I still sometimes worry about my lack of like housewife qualities. Right. And it's not even other people who are putting this on me. It's myself. Right. Totally. No. And like, and what do they call it like like the double shift of women it's like you know the second shift the second shift when you get home you fucking you work all day and then it's like you go into your you're working in two jobs like constantly and it never fucking ends and it's like 
Well, and this article posits, and many other writers have posited, that the Industrial Revolution cut women off from their communities. Right. And creates this very isolationist nucle- nuclear family where you do have that second shift because when you come home from working, there is no one else to do the child raising or the, you know, the kids have come home from school. Um, there, there aren't, you know, ec- like elder family members at home to do that work while you're working. It's the separation of the sev- the severing of community ties yeah. with women. And this actually, I think, really brilliantly coincides with the rise of like, you know, the quote unquote trad wifery that you see on the Internet with like, you know, a contingent of young women who see this obvious double standard, see this obvious second shift beginning and don't want any parts of it. And I think they get really, really misguided in a lot of parts um, into traditionalism or into traditionalism. But I think really what they see is a system that is deeply, deeply unfair to women. And they can recognize that. And I think, you know, a, a return to tradition is, is kind of a little, in my opinion, a little misguided. Because it's like, what you actually want to see is, like, gender abolitionism. You want to see, what you what you want is to be able to do what you want. You want freedom. But, you know, you under, but at least on a baseline level, you understand that women are a subjugated class that are not free and are being subjugated further. And you understand that and you don't like that. So, I mean, I think the easiest and most comforting thing for most people, and I think this goes across the human spectrum, is to just, like, return to traditionalism because what it's, what's going on is not working. But it's it's a, I think it's a very misguided belief in rooted in fear right. and discomfort. Right. right. Like, I have, like, I oh, I am, like, look at these chains. I am certainly chained, but yeah. I actually, I like the way they look. <laughs> Like right. I'm wearing them with with power. Are right. you? Can can you? I guess is the question. And or you see everyone. Or you see every woman around you chained. You know, it comes to you know, you right. see every woman around you chained, and you're like, well, okay, what do I do about that? Because that's coming for me. Do I embrace it or do I reject it? And oftentimes the reality is like embracing patriarchy is easier it's, it's so it's, much it's, easier. it's so rewarded it's very 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 rewarded if you're a woman who says patriarchy's wonderful it's great i want to make out with it then yeah. you get you get so much reward from it and like you know that's hard and that's like very easy to embrace but then you know you get discarded after a while you know for it's you're right I don't know, it's, exactly. it's I, you're so right aurora in in that analysis and it's so it's so misplaced and I, I feel like it's very similar to trans exclusionary feminism yeah. where sure. it's just, it's really the wrong reading. Like you're, you're identifying something true in that there is oppression, but you're com- like choosing the wrong target to go after, which is obviously by design. Right. Um, but I was, I was reading like a, in something on the internet that were a bunch of, a, a feminist manifest, a, a turf feminist manifesto, um, which uh, we should talk about it. We should basically talk about it on the next episode. But um, the way they simultaneously argue that like women are free to be whoever they are, they're also asserting that biology makes you a woman and that you can't argue that. And it's like, why do you want that? So I don't understand why anyone would want that so badly. I don't understand why you would want to be defined by your genitals and and in the same feminist and in the same breath claim that they also believe that women can be 
women have the freedom to to be anything but it's right. at the same it's just it's so it's such backwards rhetoric that well, actually doesn't logically quite square well and it's also like it's scary like it's scary to say that um you know it like liberation politics are terrifying as we have been always been talking about especially like there's a particular fear when it comes to like um I wish they didn't take away the Matrix analogy from us. I know. I was actually watching God the. Damn it. I was actually watching the Matrix last night, and there's a lot to that. We should do a feminist review. Oh, of the are Matrix. you talking about the incel? The red, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because okay. when you say that, it, it's like it is red pill, blue pill vibes. Oh, right. That. It's like it is. It's scary to realize how much um, our world is structured to, totally. to oppress most of us. And I was. Um, I read this fucking bullshit, basically like a manifesto from this like reactionary e girl, whatever fucking. Which one? <laughs> There's a, they're like an entire brand. There, yeah. Well, so th- th- she wrote this thing that was like, well, you know, basically that was like, it's a, it's post me Too like reactionary sexual politics where it's like now eroticism is gone because we have to think about rape culture. And it's like, you know what? He, what I really read, what I read when I read that was that it's like, yeah, it's actually fucking sucks and it is scary to know that like a lot of the sex that I have had in my life was not totally consensual, that a lot of it could constitute rape, that I was coerced into a lot of sex. You don't want to admit that because it makes you feel like shit. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, we, I mean, yeah, it's like we come from a culture that like, you know, I, I think this is like a, the most like one of the worst parts of like patriarchy is just like it's like such a culture of like blaming the victim. And it's like it's just like, well, this is I mean, if you even say that you were coerced, it's just like, oh, well, this is your fault. Exactly. Like it, it, it's so victim blaming. Like it's like it's incredible the way I think about it and just like thinking about like elder matriarchs in my family the way they like victim blame like crazy and they see nothing wrong with that right at all that's just normal it's just like oh you are a woman you did something wrong it's I on just, you i just watched the movie the tale by jennifer fox um mm-hmm. starring laura dern i really recommend I love it laura dern. it's an amazing it's an amazing movie um and it's a it's a true story jennifer fox the writer director it's her story and she writes about how when she was 45 her mother finds an old english essay of hers that she wrote when she was 13 and she was this essay is about her relationship to her first boyfriend who is her coach at the time and this woman jennifer fox is never thought that she was a victim it took her until she was 45 years old to wow. realize that she was groomed and raped by a 40-year-old man. Oh, my God. And the way she told it when she was younger, she was like, he was my first boyfriend. You know, she broke up with him. She felt like a hero. <laughs> and only upon revisiting it does she realize the actual power dynamics that were at play because you remember things in ways that preserve your sanity. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Right? It's self-preservation. Exactly. It's really... And, and it's it's a very... It's a hard movie to watch because it's traumatic for her to revisit these things. And she has a fuller understanding of what happened to her. But, you know, at what cost? Right. Because that's it's a traumatic thing to even revisit. So people compartmentalize a right. lot. So it's not. And, and, and final thing about this movie is that a few times she goes, well, it was the 70s. You know, we were 
It was free love. I was young. He was old. <laughs> like eroticism has been used as a cover for a lot of bad shit. Yeah. Right. And it's like, why wouldn't we? We live in a patriarchal society. Now, some people would literally say that we don't, which is absolutely insane. Um, and fuck you if you say that. I fucking hate you. <laughs> Straight the fuck up. But, you know... The way that what radical feminism, you know, it has its flaws. It's not a perfect, you know, whatever. We can unpack that for eternity. But like what it really did is it showed that like women are dominated through sex. And this doesn't mean that we are perpetually victims of everything. That is not what radical feminism is positing. It's just saying like, look, we have to understand how to fight back against that. But you can't fight back against it if you don't acknowledge that that's what's happening. I think this actually ties into the ones who walk away from the Omelas by Erica Select Kalikin, yes. which is like, I don't know, like nobody wants to think of themselves as like the tortured child of the Omelas because that's what you think of when you think of a victim. You think yeah. of like, you know, somebody who is pathetic effectively so it's just like you know and i'm not yeah like so it's just like very very easy to compartmentalize and be like i'm not that you know i am not deserving of pity or anything like that but like you know that's a different thing from understanding patriarchy as a structural class system that is oppressive and oppression is not making everybody a victim oppression is acknowledging that there's a structural uh, system in place that like places you in a place that you shouldn't be in fundamentally it's uh, it's something that can be lifted um right you know right exactly so like yes go off Aurora. and like to tie this into the work thing too like some people will be like oh now, oh now the uppity bitches are complaining about nothing is sacred you know they can, can nobody have sex anymore the, the uppity <laughs> bitches won't even do the dishes you know like <laughs> yeah like can we have anything like oh even sex is well yeah a lot of it has been shitty that doesn't mean you can't still have good sex i would think right maybe once you have these discussions maybe that would actually help you orgasm <laughs> right <laughs> to not feel like you have to perform for your male partner for example or you know, it's not actually a loss. It doesn't no. have to be a loss. It exact. It's called changing and learning and wanting to change the world. That's awesome. And you can wear <laughs> and you can wear whatever you want. I mean, we're not saying you can't wear corsets. And, right. and you know like, as feminists we're advocating for everybody to have a bob and wear a gray jumpsuit that's what we want <laughs> okay. eat your oatmeal you know what? eat your slop you know what yes we want an oatmeal only gray jumpsuit shaved head universe eat your slop eat I mean, your slop actually i will never forget like maybe our like second or third feminist group meeting um i was I was basically posing a question of like, how can we be critical of femininity while still or of, of like the idea critical of the, you know, like creation of the feminine? Mm -hmm. how, how can we criticize that and yet also support like transitioning from a man to a woman and not in a no, I'm asking this question in like a how can we philosophically square these ideas not that it that doesn't exist i just i have to be so clear on that right um mm -hmm. because we're we are so supportive of our trans comrades like right. they are us we are them um but i i posed this question philosophically and aurora answered it beautifully immediately and i will never forget you okay. said well we're not advocating for everyone to like be uniform 
You know, we're not advocating. I think you literally were like, we're not saying you all have to wear the same jumpsuit. What we're advocating, gender abolition advocates for everyone's freedom to express themselves however they want. Exactly. However they want. But what we, you know, are advocating against is that the way you look having to be defined by your body. Right. Because it can be easy to get a little, I think it can be tricky to sort of to criticize gender roles and also while also supporting those who want to change gender. Yeah, we're not really talking about like what how comfortable the change should be. We're saying the change shouldn't exist at all. But you know, it's right. like a very, you know, what is it? Plato's like allegory of the cave where mm-hmm. it's just like and I'm not claiming to be some enlightened one or anything, but just like, you know, the idea of like not having chains at all is like very scary to some cuz it's just like, but these are my emotional support chains. Like how are you talking <laughs> about I have to get rid of them? I love them. It's like you don't love them or else you wouldn't be depressed, babes. <laughs> like, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's not. Yeah. G- like gender abolition does not mean no gender. It just means a proliferation of gender. Yeah, like nine billion genders yeah, or whatever. It's, just, it's like it's or like holding, which means no gender. Like being able to hold multiple truths at once. Right. Yeah. And it's like, wow, how what a beautiful idea that uh, and what a true idea that like nobody fits into these categories no no one right. and they we, they need to go and it's like i me and ren were fucking cracking jokes about this when i was uh hanging with them on the boat but i was like we like one of our favorite jokes now is like estrogen testosterone we should be able to take it like lsd and I, <laughs> <laughs> that's literally how i feel about it i'm like look if you want to fucking do that like yeah do well, your I thing. Mean, hormone therapy is a real thing. I mean, for, for women be, on menopause, it's been a reality for years. It should be as like, you know, it shouldn't be because it has to do with patriarchy. You know, it's like so fucking like. How will we know who to oppress, Ty? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if, <laughs> exactly if right. If I can't pick them out of a lineup, it's I mean. <laughs> If right. I can't, if I can't inspect their genitals, which brings us to Kansas. Oh God! Um, and the recent ruling it. in Kansas, which speaking of grooming and like trying to protect our children, I, I really feel like a gr- genital inspections is the <laughs> most unsafe. Literally, besides guns, like the most unsafe. Uh, I don't know category in which schools are now right fucking involved right like okay we're gonna stop pedophilia by having all of these grown adults make the children drop their pants for it's, out, I mean, it's, out, it's outrageous i kind of fighting <laughs> pedophilia by stripping the children like <laughs> yeah it's outrageous i don't actually it's, quite know how they live with themselves but um and it's so you know like i think that's i think that there's like maybe a liberal response uh, uh, like from like a liberal pr- feminist perspective that's like oh grooming isn't real you know they, they'll do this and i'm like no no no, grooming is real absolutely the grooming comes from the catholic church the grooming mm-hmm. comes from conservatives it does happen in sports but it's not the fellow athletes it's the fucking coach yeah it's like, not the trans girl on the swim team no and it's not the trans boy on the squash court it's the coach who does not have to drop his pants. Yeah, and is, like, fondling kids. Or it's, like, you know, the Larry Nassars who are, you know, raping raping the women gymnasts. You know, that's the, that's the grooming. 
But but no, no, no. You know, Matt Walsh, she was always bitching up and down about the grooming, right? The groomers, the groomers, kill the trans people, they're groomers. He is an advocate for child marriage. Right. I, mean, I actually, <laughs> I feel like all of this, all of the legislation about trans children, legislating things for trans children, is, is also indicative of our... As a as a capitalist society, our idea that children are, are property. Totally. And um, I I just think I don't know. That feels like the. I'm starting to hear people talk about that. I yeah. Know, I really feel like, it, and it feels such a part of the women's movement too. Not so, because women, I guess yeah, because the women are the ones burdened with childcare and. We're just so associated. I mean, with children, children are oppressed because women are oppressed because children right. are associated with women. There it is. Right. Exactly. There it is. Exactly. And uh, Della Costa touches that in this in that essay too about how like you know the 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 children's struggle is definitely connected to the women's struggle, and they they are like mirrors of each other, and it has to do obviously with heterosexuality with the nuclear family and it's so like it's wild to be living in this moment because i think for a while to touch on that more dunnigan piece again our feminism was just about this empowerment feminism but now the fem like our moment calls for a really radical revolutionary view because how do you make sense of like abortion bans and anti-trans legislation directed specifically at all trans people but also at trans children you know, how do you make those connections? And you have to go to these super radical thinkers. Right. Who are basically like, yeah, they're they're regulating the future workforce. Exactly. And it's like, you're not going to find this in like pop feminism. That's like, here's all the awesome women like Mia Hamm. Like, that's not what that shit is touching. You have to like go deep into the fucking women's liberation movement the queer liberation movement that people you know the texts that are actually calling for like revolution in order to make sense of this stuff um but again that's very scary and people are like you know they they bristle at that but it's like no that's what we need right now absolutely how else would we make sense of this shit i mean um i think it was like six months ago maybe less than that, where we were like, we think that a national abortion ban is coming very soon. We said this, right? And now... Um, they did not stop at Roe v. Wade. No. Uh, obviously. We, we, no one, any, anyone invested in this yeah, fight. That, was, that was just step one. Right. And that was a huge step one. Yeah. And now, um, and now as of yesterday, I believe, um, a federal dr- judge has struck down... The FDA's approval of God damn it! I looked up how to pronounce the name of this right Me- before Mephipistrone. Mephipist- I don't think that's how you say it. Fuck, Heather's gonna edit that. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're just like you. We're just like you, Mephipristone. Mephipristone, yes. Um, this judge, a Trump-appointed judge in Texas. Ugh. Of course. Um, while at the same time, there is another judge in Washington State that issued um, a, a con- contradicting um, ruling. So basically this will go before the Supreme Court eventually, which as we know, they really are is a stoked on abortion rights. Is a conservative <laughs> majority. Um, so yeah, we all knew this was coming and we're not surprised at all. Uh, obviously like deeply, I'm really freaked out. I don't even feel sad. I, I mostly, I'm like pretty scared. Is how I feel personally. 
um, yeah, I'm nervous about my own um, body and future. Totally. And it's like, and I live in New York state. Right. But it's like the whole thing, the whole thing with this shit is like, it's never been about stopping abortions because abortions don't stop. They just become unsafe. We know that. Like it's similar to like, you know, the, the phrase in like trans liberation politics where it's like death before de- death before detransition. Uh, it's abortion is similar. It's like women would rather die and have died violent vicious horrific horrific deaths like in the in piles of their own blood in fucking hotel room floors to get an abortion rather than going through with a pregnancy you know because our lives mean that much to us that we will you know we will do anything to have control over our lives And and also the lives of people's other children i think this happens a lot because also future mothers who already have children know that like the quality of life that they can that they can give to their their children if they have one more just craters and so it is actually out of love too Mm -hmm. that people get abortions love for people who are alive exactly now and it's like so with all of these bands as we know you know it's never about stopping abortion because that's impossible it's literally about making them unsafe it's state-sanctioned femicide it's about wanting women to suffer and die like (laughs) and and wanting to have lots of primarily black and brown bodies who will go work go to work yeah um like a, a steady supply of workforce um individuals right and which i don't know i never really i i didn't have much of a marxist um lens until i started hanging out with you people right and, um <laughs> and so now i mean the, especially the the piece we read i feel like um, yeah really delves into into that in a in a such a clear way um that really felt important to me but it, it's it sounds so dystopian it's true it's horrible it's like, it almost sounds like a conspiracy theory too um which <laughs> say is it out unfortunate loud. Yeah. yeah when you yeah right um but it's but it's just it's just that kind of language has been co-opted but um i know and it's like you know it's only going to get worse like it's only been a year since this shit and like i say this all the time but i'm gonna say it again like it's it's one thing to not have a right and then to gain it through struggle it's a different thing entirely to not have a right get that right lose it again and then have to get it again like it's so much harder to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like just historically, that's like a different type of struggle because it's like an intense regression. And, um, and it's like to tie this into our larger issue of like what we're all going through on a personal level. And like, it's, it's very hard for me to not get mad at, people for like taking to the streets and burning down cities because fucking abortion bans like you mean you're mad at people for not doing yes that. i'm mad at people for not doing that and then i think about my own life and i'm like oh my god well women are worked to the fucking bone like yeah easier said than done to go protest and riot if you are taking care of people or your house or even if you don't have kids you're, and you're working tired and you're working the double fucking shift the second shift do you know what i mean like I mean, and and I think it's worth saying, though, that even just having a job in the United States is, I mean, men are exploited as well as as wage earners. I just just to throw that in there, I think it's of worth course. saying that it's not like economically 
it's only women who are exploited. Right. You know, I, I mean, it's just true. Right. Um, but we're hyper exploited. Right. Which then, so then Double it's that. like, <laughs> so then it's like, okay, well, while Do you're like hyper, super size, while you're hyper exploited, AKA a woman. <laughs> right. But it's like, while you're hyper exploited, how do you begin to even, you know, organize and challenge these things? It's like really fucking hard. It takes so much, you know, grit and like guts to do it. And it's like, it's also fucking crazy making too, that like still with a lot of people, both IRL in real life, fucking and online, wherever I am, I'm, I'm still having to be like, the abortion bans are about patriarchy and misogyny. There's this tendency always to be like, it's about something else. Or it's about the children. Right, exactly. And it's like, no, this is, no, it's about patriarchal domination over women and gender oppressed people. Like, that's what, that's what it's about. And it's, it's like, oh my God, it's 2023. We're still having to have that argument. Like, an abortion they man? Were, they were brilliant when they started calling themselves pro-life. That is a brilliant misnomer because right. real pro-lifers are, are healthcare workers or um, anyone working like within the welfare department. That that those are those, that's pro-life. Right. Not pro pro <laughs> pro-life uh, activists actively seek to make lives harder and actually fatal. Yeah. And they want women to fucking die. And not just die, but suffer, then die. Yeah, like, like, it's not, you know, not even an easy death, but like, you should be suffering actively, then die, you know? Right. Should we label this comedy kind of like a podcast, like a comedy, <laughs> like a comedy pod, you know? Should we start doing little skits in between just to right, keep people like, motivated to keep listening? Welcome to the man cave, baby. Yeah, we well, should lead with the jokes. <laughs> we should lead with more jokes. Yeah, before before we started recording uh, this, we were doing a fake man manosphere pod, which I thought was really good. Right. Welcome to the man cave, dudes only. <laughs> Big tall dudes only. State your height upon entering. State your wiener size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's so right. Totally, you know totally, what I'm totally. saying, dude? No, totally, totally, totally. Like. Um, it's true. I don't know. I mean, I think that's why we all have highly developed senses of humor also, because it's it's a good you have to ha- you have to have some kind of coping. Right. Tool. Yeah. I mean, cope with the miseries, the daily miseries. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm doing that's why I'm even saying this, because I'm like, oh, God, I don't want any, someone to tune out and be like, God, oh, this is bleak. Turn it off because it, it's bleak out here. Yeah. I've been I've been like super depressed. I don't know the past 33 years but um, <laughs> looks at watch on wrist um and i you know i feel like we we, we have to have humor and each other to, to get through this yeah i you don't know, know. I, I like feel... yeah and like feminism isn't like constantly bleak it's full of like joy and humor and like in addition to wanting to live it's a very positive thing actually it's like it's, it's so funny that people associate feminism with being bleak when it's just about like people should be allowed to do what they want and people are like and it's like yay like women should be allowed to do what they want and they're like oh Everyone's okay like, Whoa, <laughs> like record scratch <laughs> such a killjoy <laughs> unbelievable another the, one <laughs> brings the mood down the uppity bitches who <laughs> well, will do our dishes suck. who will do our dishes now no, but <laughs> no, but this this Dalla Costa and James piece has a wonderful, a wonderful um, p- 
paragraph in it where it, it talks they talk about basically if we can if we can like disentangle the idea of like a relationship with with power dynamics and and the housework so to speak of it then we can actually start doing things from a place of love and not from a place of um like guilt pain and um like the the impulse to fulfill a gender role it's like right. i mean the feeling of having to do something because you're supposed to do it or it's you know you're supposed to love it that doesn't create healthy relationships no. you know like i i want to I want to I want to take care of a house with a partner in a way where we're both helping each other when we can. It's equitable. There's no guilt involved. It can be an open dialogue. It doesn't have to be why didn't you do the thing you're intrinsically supposed to do? Well, if I'm intrinsically supposed to do it and I'm not doing it, maybe there's something else <laughs> going on. And but it's really it's so I think it's actually really sad that this kills so many relationships or it's, you know, one of many nails on the coffin, but it's, it's really devastating. I mean, let's like try to have better relationships with each other, every, everybody. And maybe if we can figure out why we hate ourselves for not wanting to be on our hands and knees at all times, right. We can start to love people better. Right. Exactly. And, and like, Feminism is and accept love and feminism is cool, too, because it's like because it's so personal, it's like asking you to revolutionize every aspect of your life. And like some people are like, that's totalitarian. It's a little too much for me. And I'm like, yeah, feminism is a revolutionary politics down to your, the minutia of your everyday. Personal is political. That's an awesome idea. Suddenly, like you can transform everything like your friendships change your you know, the way that you would approach romance changes, the way that you would approach, like, you know, every aspect of, like, building your home and taking care of your home. Like, that's fucking awesome. The way we have done things sucks. <laughs> I think we can all agree that the misery is universal. <laughs> so, like, why is... Not for Gwyneth Paltrow, okay? Right. She is fine. She's got some crazy swagger, but, like... She's definitely. I kind of loved her courtroom looks. I'm not gonna oh, lie. They were so good. I man. thought they were pretty good. Um, I was like, damn, she's <laughs> fucking swagged out. But I was just like, you're also horrible to me. I don't know why. Maybe that's maybe that's just straight up internalized misogyny. Well, I mean, taxpayers pay for trials. We pay f when something goes to trial. The cost of that is partially on the taxpayer. And like a trial between two extremely wealthy people who like couldn't get over like a bad day of skiing. There is something <laughs> that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Um, okay. So something interesting that happened that I want to share with people because I'm also writing something about this because I think that it's fascinating. So basically, I just had a full length work go up and the way that I funded it was through selling my eggs. I've talked about this publicly now for a while um, and I've been on like other podcasts talking about the egg donation donation and scare quotes industry and like I think that it's a eugenicist industry. It's obviously hyper exploitative. It's obviously feminized labor all of the shit it reduces women to like bare life reproductive um processes it you know it's fascinating but i funded this work through selling my eggs 
And I was putting all the money from the eggs into the show. And I realized during the middle of the process, I was like, I should donate again so that after the show, I have like a, a, you know, a cushion of cash so that I can like live comfortably through the summer, whatever. So I call my egg broker. This is insane. <laughs> like that this exists is like one day we will look back at the barbarism of this shit and be like, what the fuck were we doing as a civilization? But yeah, so I called my egg broker and she and I was like, hey, I want to donate my eggs again. And she was like, well, we've decided not to work with you anymore. And I was like, what? You know, and it was like my whole world came crashing down because I was like, this is a a good money bag for me. And uh, she was like, well, if we, we if we keep giving you these specific types of hormones and we have to keep upping your dosage, you are at risk of ovarian cancer. And like, we don't want that on our plate. And so we're done with you, basically. And you've donated twice? Like four times. Four times. OK. Um, so then I, and then I was just like. Uh, oh, OK, I was like, if if I weren't. If I didn't call you to ask you about this, would you have like reached out to me and told me this pretty pertinent information with regards to my body? <laughs> and she was just like, well, you know, like, it, uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Like, did this whole fucking thing like a boss does. Right. Right. Where, right. And, and I was just like, you know what? OK, like. Thanks for everything or whatever and hung up the phone. But it was like a true crisis like a crisis of reproduction where it's like, I don't know. There was just so many things about it. That's like everything that we're talking about in terms of feminized labor. And this just seems like the most. Well, you donating your eggs to fund um, your artistic practice is such a great metaphor too, because you, you did kind of, in a way, women often have to make the choice, you know, are you going to choose like your work or having a family or having children. Right. And you chose, in this instance, you're choosing your work, but you also are, you're like physically, you still kind of have to give birth to it in a way. Right. And you're put in this situation because you're working class. Right. And an artist. And this is how working class artists have to, you know, we have to find ways to scrounge for money because it's expensive. Right. And... Often women are, you know, donate donating eggs. It's, it's actually selling eggs. Yes. You're selling part of your body. Right. No shame. I've selling I've tissue. selling tissue. I mean, people sell blood. Uh, so people crazy. sell plasma, and women sell eggs. I don't believe. What's up with sperm donation? They don't get as much money for it because you can just wank, like because there's no hormones involved. You can just you just wank of, into a cup. Right, but, but like the the egg donation process is so intense. It's so much more in the body. So much more invasive and in the body. <laughs> right, and it literally like there's like body horror elements to it. It's like, like a much more extractive process. It's like yes. way more extractive. I'm not the expert, but no, yeah. you're you're exactly right. Like the Marxist term for it would be like resource extraction, but it's like literally happening in, in the bodies of like women and it's, gender I mean, it's, people. It's very it's very similar to surrogacy as well. Yes, surrogacy is probably a more intense impact on the body because but it's full on pregnancy. It's still it's still bodily. I want to talk. I want to do an episode about it so bad. Like. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. at some no, point. Yeah, no, but it's just it's like this highly feminized work that is also somewhat 
created out of a out of duress right out of needing money right um but it's but it's cast as like you're so generous god you're just doing this because you're a woman and women are just caregivers exactly and like that's no matter what that's so much of like the rhetoric that is used in that industry too it's like yeah you're basically making me do this exactly even the donation language of like these are gifts. You're donating this gift of life. And I'm like, you're literally paying me between ten to $19,000 for these eggs. It's not a gift. It's a fucking transaction. It's a job. Well, and it's a choice you're making because I'm even thinking about how someone could criticize what I just said where I paraphrase. I was like, they're making, they're basically making you do it. It's like the system is making you do it. And yeah, sure. You could get, you could have gotten a, tried to get a minimum wage job right. somewhere where you have zero free time right. and make less money. Right, exactly. So what is how much of a choice is that? Exactly. And like for and your your body is still being sacrificed. Right. On, and, no matter what the the feminized body is on the line. Right. And like something that I always found cool about my artistic process especially for the past like 5 years since I've didn't been donating eggs is that like I didn't have to answer to any men. And I was able to, well, uh, that's a whole nother episode for another time. But, you know, I had like Mostly. a certain level of independence that a lot of other young women artists my age didn't have. Like they were all very much like in heterosexual relationships with a man that they were also collaborators with. And it was like, I never had to do that because I had this like hyper exploitative process I was going through on the side, but like. It ga- also gave me a, a level of like relative autonomy or whatever, and like, and I was able to like channel that into these crazy projects that actually would cost a lot of money that you would usually need like some kind of sugar daddy for or whatever. Right. And I that's didn't- the trade off. You chose something that is intent that like impacts your body. Right. But it but uh, like ironically enough, you have autonomy. Exactly. It's a, and these it's, are just the choices that women and feminized bodies are faced with. Yes, and it's so strange. It, it's totally fucking strange to... It's like a, a, a strange thing to deal with, but... So now, I don't have this money source, and it was like an insane moment, because it's also about aging, and it's about, like, what... Now I may have to deal with the repercussions of this thing that I was doing, you know, and it's like, oh, fuck, like, it was so, so many things, and like, the way that women get tossed out when they're a certain age and like I'm turning 29 next month. And it was just like, Oh my God, like all of these um, insane revelations, like one after another. And it's tied to feminism and my artistic practice and literally my body. And I was just like, Holy shit, Carolee Schneeman, Carolee Schneeman, Carolee Schneeman. But who's my favorite artist? I didn't just randomly say her name for no reason. (laughs) It's a tick that Tyree has. (laughs) If you put your ear to the ground, you could hear me saying Carolee Schneeman (laughs) at any time. No, but um, fuck, where was I going with this though? I'm the Faustian bargain that women make, you know, in terms of their youth as a bargaining chip and how, how, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's, and it's like, I always thought of that in terms of like beauty specifically, but this thing is like more internal and like, Uh, it's really done a number on my head, but it's honestly super interesting. And then I'm like, okay, well, I also have no money. So I, the only thing left to do is just like talk about it and write about it. And that's like going to be my artistic practice now. (laughs) Cause I don't have any other like options. Like I can't make another show because I don't have money. Like, 
And it's so infuriating. It's like literally fucking infuriating, infuriating, like to see like so many like privileged white cis men around everywhere who like are able to just do whatever they want and like have a fleet of young women who do the labor for them underneath them and like but also have like nothing to say <laughs> and are just like endlessly making shit and i'm like all i have is shit to say but i have I have they no do, resources. They do write about something. They like write about the woman who's like ten years younger than them, who broke their heart by you know, right, exactly. you know existing by leaving the toxic relationship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so true, though. But like, I say all this rant to because I think that it'll it'll resonate with a lot of like young women and young women artists because we are just put in such a pickle and I want all of you guys to keep making work and even at all costs, (laughs) even if you don't have any money, find a way to make something because we need your voices out here. We need more women and queer artists. I do it with a clap on everything, but I'm afraid I can't do that while holding a mic, but we need more (laughs) women and queer artists. It's so true. (laughs) It's literally so fucking true. Yeah. And yeah. Totally. Yeah, and we're just and we're also here to tell you that it's not you. It's hard. This is hard. Mm-hmm. And I feel a lot of personal guilt when I feel like I'm not productive as as productive as I could be or when I have economic stress. I'm like, right. well, look, this is this is me just being so irresponsible and I mean, that's part of it, but also it it really is the the system and the structure right. is designed to to do this and it's not a personal failing um right and it's like you kit like you work in a creative field and then you're also a painter so you understand this thing of just being like all creative life force like <laughs> yeah drained and stretched and pulled in all these directions and then you go to try to like do your practice and it's like I have nothing inside of me. I mean, I will go I will go months without painting and then I'll start to feel a, like a level of despair that is so all permeating, all encompassing and and I have trained myself to recognize this and be like you have to you got to paint today. You got to do that. And I'm lucky in that I have the ability to do this. Um right. I I I feel broke as fuck, but I still am able to have some paint and palette knives and a few canvases. I mean, and that's huge. Right. Um, and that gives me that that reminds me of like who I am. I, I saw this this tweet once. I don't remember who said it. It was probably quoted a million times. But um, the idea that so many artists come from money because when you don't have to worry about making a living and you just do what you want you end up making art. You know, right. I think it's a very human impulse. Like it's, yeah. it's within us. So no, no, I, that's what I would do if I didn't have to make money. If I didn't have to, I don't know, have a, make a living for myself, I would make art as well. That's where I, primarily, that's where I would go to. So right. I don't know this, the spark is, is there and don't let it die. And not yeah. to sound too fartsy, but <laughs> no. I don't know. I just, I like to end things on a semi-optimistic note because I'm an only child and I need everything to be okay with everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> I I do, I feel like I always feel better about 
how where I'm at when I like connect with Don't you all. Don't let capitalism yuck your yum. Yeah. And if and if your yum is being alive, <laughs> it's gonna get yucked. Yeah. Okay. Stay so, the course. Just stay strong. We're with you. We're all very tired, but fuck, right. we're still here. We're still here. And we fucking are here for the fight. We're down for the cause. We're out here. We're working, gathering our strength. Working people unite. We're all together. We're all yeah. the same in Workers this. Workers of the world unite. We are gathering our strength up. It was a long, cold, lo- lonely winter, as the Beatles say. But but we're we're coming back stronger. I've been doing push-ups couple a day (laughs) (laughs) two to three two to three you know little by little stay the course we're we're with you and you're not alone people people of the world and okay we need to cut some rocks we need to cut the mics because i don't know how to end this cut the mic goodbye drop (laughs) just a little side note for our listeners we have a patreon that we have set up the red fems fems is spelled f-e-m-m-e-s which is obviously common knowledge, but just in case. Also, too, there's another podcast called Red Femme, and that is not us. We are the Red Femmes. It's ours. We did it first. I'm not going to get lost in the weeds there, but it's true. So there's a Patreon there. We're going to maybe put some paywalled content up, but we want to keep as many things available for listeners as possible. Um, But mostly just to help us with production costs, getting proper gear, things like this. And also we were thinking about maybe doing some merch and because we want to get spread the word out there. Zines, publications, you know, we want to share as much of what we're doing with the outside world so that you guys can do your own versions of this shit. Um, and also, too, we have an email address, theredfems at gmail.com. And if anyone has things that they want to hear us talk about, cool readings. Um, if anyone wants to come on and be a guest and has ideas for for things that they would like to speak about, even if you're on the other side of the planet, we have the internet. Fucking internet with all of its problems is also awesome. <laughs> and we can have you on. Yeah, like, please, like, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, this is a conversation and we'd love to hear from you. Hear your thoughts. If you disagree, um, we're open to that as well um obviously if you disagree about certain radical points like people's personhood you know, <laughs> fuck you but uh I, I don't think you'd be listening maybe right. it, unless well i don't unless know unless you're hate i don't freaking know but just reach out we, this is inclusive we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear your ideas the work you're doing um questions we want to expand our collectivity um you know our, our our heterodox club to every corner of the planet <laughs> so join us um thank you so much for listening we love you i get so many beautiful messages about this shit and as anyone who's a feminist knows you can also get a lot of hate so all of the comrades and sisters and gender oppressed people who show love for the show we love you it makes us so happy to know we, that uh, you you get something out of this because we certainly get something out of making it. So um, that being said, see you around. <laughs>